today and um, do you have a microphone? Nope, we need a microphone up front here. Hmm. Hi David. Hi there. Well first of all just if I don't manage to make it to the end of this because I'm really Nervous. And the first thing I want to do is, is I want to thank you for inspiring me over the years online. And uh, it's kind of a 
funny joke, really, that I was the last one, and it just took me lots of um, inner strength to be able to get ready, and, and then I thought, you know, it was going to be over and done with, and then it turns out that I'm the first one tonight, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, it's big for me. And uh, so I had the whole afternoon to think about what I was wanted to say. <laughs> and um, what was so clear this morning turned out not to be um, my priority because, and I've been on a roller coaster. I had, over these few days, you know, I had fantastic, elating moments where I just went around kissing people I didn't know where I just felt supremely happy and then I had really dark moments where I just uh, fell back into my drama and uh, it turns out that what I wanted to talk first I'm, I'm going to talk as a second point because what came up it was really big and it has been, been really big over the months for me is um, I think I have a kind of a, a helper syndrome, which I, which I lived out in a, in, a, in a disturbed way with a young man that I met at the beginning of the year. I live in Switzerland, and he was selling magazines outside the shopping mall. And normally, um, I have mixed feelings towards people who beg. But this guy, you know, I made eye contact with him a couple of times and, and he really touched me. And uh, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to invite him and I'm going to ask him what the situation is and maybe I can help him. And it turned out he was from Romania and he was looking for a job and he earned no money and he told me about his family situation back in Romania. And so I started supporting him financially and I thought I'm going to teach him to read and to write and I'm going to teach him to become independent and so he can find a job here in, in Switzerland and and it, this was all my own movie and uh, it just it turned out in a completely different way because then in the end he, he had to for the very adverse circumstances he managed to find a job and then he lost it because, yeah, it sounded like, like a thriller, the whole thing. Anyway, he had to go back to Romania. And now he keeps sending me messages on WhatsApp. You know, I'm so poor and we have no money and I'm looking for a job and please help me and please help me. And I noticed that this has just gone totally the wrong way because I seem not to be able to help at all. And every time he sends me one of these begging messages, I, I get angry. I see I, my anger is, is growing, and, and, and I don't know what to do, because um, I, I don't even know what the real meaning of helping is, actually, in a situation like this. So I would be grateful for some advice, and that's my first question. 
Okay, very good. Well, you know, a lot of us uh, grow up and we hear different things and, and we hear things like compassion and have compassion for, for others and, and offer help and offer a blessing and we desire to be helpful. There's definitely that altruistic uh, urge uh, in all of us to be helpful. And as I was saying earlier, that prayer on page 24 of the first edition, I think 28 in the second edition, it, it was, um, I'm here only to be truly helpful. And I said that word truly is loaded, because uh, when we're asleep and dreaming and we're, we're not clear of who we are, then we have some many different varieties of what's helpful. And each of us kind of go for those, and then there's usually some pretty hard lessons that come with trying to be helpful, just basically trying to be compassionate. And then there's this part in A Course in Miracles which is talking about true empathy. So he takes that word, just like helpful, and he puts truly helpful, the truly in front of it. He takes empathy and he puts true in front of it, and then he says, this is one of the most difficult uh, concepts to grasp. You know, he's like telling, I mean, he's sharing all kinds of things, and now he's telling us that true empathy is, is, is extremely helpful, it's really our calling, but he says it's, it's probably going to be one of the most difficult um, things to grasp that you're going to come across in this course. And when I think of true empathy, it's like being, in the ultimate sense, real and true. So we're supposed to come from a place of, of strength, from a place of clarity, from a, a place of, of what's true. Not what's true in a, in a horizontal sense, but really line up with the vertical. Uh, you might say, like, whatever the situation, uh, Jesus would say, um, like for example, going to a funeral, uh, a lot of us, with the programming and the training we have, we, we would think, well, to go to a funeral, there's, there's, going to be some, there's going to be grieving going on, and there's going to be sadness going on, and people paying their condolences, and maybe sharing memories with many tears, and so on and so forth. And then Jesus is like, well, a funeral is no different than any other situation. Your only purpose to go to a funeral is for true empathy. Uh, to be with what's real and what's true. And, and uh, he contrasts true empathy with false empathy, where we've been programmed with a lot of false empathy. Oh, poor friend, you know, you, I, let me please help you out. You know, we, we see people as if they're less than, and then we, we feel sometimes even obligated or sometimes just stirred and motivated to offer help. When actually every situation is an opportunity and every relationship is an opportunity to, to teach what we would learn, to to see them in the highest way that we can see them, to not really see them lower or less than at all. Jesus is like, no, you're not helping anyone with that perception. 
Um, he says at one point, he said, he defines charity. He says, see your brother with charity. And he defines that as, see them as if they're much farther along in their spiritual advancement than they appear to be. So he's actually inviting us, you know, like we heard this morning about, oh, I see everyone else is enlightened except myself. That would be a good example of moving towards charity. Seeing everyone enlightened. Even if you don't see yourself enlightened, it's certainly going to help uh, in teaching what you would learn. It's almost like a, a really, Jesus is saying, I want you to aim high. and I want you to, to really see their innocence and, and see their glory. And then the more you're able to do that, of course, giving and receiving are the same. So it, it contrasts with this old way of being helpful. I know for myself, I worked in social services and the reason I even got working in social services was out of this desire to help people. And it's a common, I'm sure many of us have, have gone through situations and even jobs and, or volunteer positions where I did hospice and a number of things like that. And, and I can see that what that was, was it was really me wanting to learn how to be truly helpful and to allow the Spirit to instruct me when I was, had a feeling or a draw to somebody, then it was more like taking a pause and saying, okay Jesus, I need you here, you know, you need to really instruct me how to be truly helpful. Because I don't know, I'm, and I'm not going to use my own past learning to try to, to do this. So one of the things that I like about the Course is, um, Jesus says, resign now as your own teacher. Okay, that's a good one, you know, I mean that's very direct, but it's actually very loving. Uh, he says, because you have been poorly taught. In other words, you've been relying on this ego a lot and, and, and you're poorly taught. And, and the first thing I want you to do is resign now as your own teacher. Uh, and he said it would, it would be wise to follow a teacher you know, who's basically transcended the ego uh, because it's going to benefit you. <laughs> and you would be wise to, to follow that instruction. So. I found that that was very important for me to feel a, an initial draw sometimes and then just pray, like, you know, t show me, is there anything I need to say and do and, sh and teach me how to be truly helpful? And then the more that that happened, the more I started to look at people in a different way, I started to see people more like mirrors than, than looking for someone to really help out, that I had already judged, you know, as in great need of help. Uh, it was more like, no, whatever you're perceiving in this person, you really need to take a close look. Like, you know, that whenever you meet anyone, and remember it's a holy encounter, as you see them, you will see yourself, as you treat them, you will treat yourself as you think of them. You will think of yourself. So that's why we need true empathy. We can't be thinking 
that people are so bad off. Uh, and even if we have an urge to help them, it's more like they're helping us get in touch with what our unconscious beliefs and thoughts are. They're, they're amazing mirrors. And we should have tremendous gratitude for the mirroring that they provide. But you see, that's a bit different than seeing them as somebody who needs help. Because then we can get into all kinds of dependencies and codependencies and uh, strange ego alliances that really don't help anyone. And it doesn't help anyone in the universe. So I think that's the, the main thing I would say is, uh, is that. And also, if you feel like you're getting a lot of WhatsApp text, it's just good, that's a perfect opportunity to just pray to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, what would you have me say? Uh, if, is there a, a way I'm to respond? And, and what would be most helpful in terms of being loving and also direct? Uh, because oftentimes when the anger arises, we got some kind of a belief that we're being coerced or somebody is doing something that's inappropriate or uncalled for and really that's just our call for love to tune back into Jesus and Holy Spirit say what is it that you would have me say or what would you have me do and uh, and then when we relax into that usually there just comes a moment if we're to, to write something or whatever and it just rolls out so easy and and we feel our hearts warm up immediately because we're coming back into that uh, true empathy. We're coming back really to to our to the source. So, and watch. You have another question. I do. Okay. <laughs> very good. Well, thank you for the answer. This is very soothing, and I hope it's going to be online somewhere at some point because I want to listen to it again and again. And my second question, which is a question I wanted to ask this morning, um, relates to psychedelics. And uh, I have to tell you that when I was 20, I was totally fascinated by Carlos Castaneda's books. And that world was weird and wonderful. And it really attracted me and it scared me. And I never got into that world until about eight years ago. Uh, somebody that I was working with, that uh, I was projecting an authority problem on to. It was, he was my age and I loved him and I hated him because he was kind of a father figure who disciplined me and who seemed to be very intelligent and very um, manipulative. And it was all my projection. And this really intelligent, powerful guy one day announced that he had... Uh, a brain tumor and he died within a year and that really shook me to the bone because he was my age and I thought well this could happen to me what's my bucket list <laughs> <laughs> so I went into my fear and and it was about the time where I'd started working with A Course in Miracle so I I ended up on this um, double path where I really wanted to go into into the dimensions of my mind that I was so scared of that I heard would be opened by psychedelics. 
So I found someone who, who would, uh, a therapist, who introduced me to that. And then I went through a stage where I, um, you mentioned it this morning, ayahuasca. I had uh, many ayahuasca sessions because I went, I was going through a, one of my many uh, dark nights of the soul. And I, I keep coming back into these dark nights of the soul. There seem to be many. And uh, I remember that in one of these um, experiences that I had, uh, well, ayahuasca is not a pleasant uh, hallucinogen. You, you, you feel sick and, and, and you have to go to the toilet. And it's very, very unpleasant physically. And I wanted to go into that world because I thought that there I would find um, what might be expecting me when I'm going to lay down a body. And I remember, in, I remember that night, and it, it was a terrifying and also wonderful experience because, as I said, I felt really sick. I was cold. I was cuddled up on the floor. I didn't know what to do. And, and then at some point, I just, my mind switched. I wasn't in that place anymore. I was in a wonderful, clear light. I didn't feel the body anymore. And I heard this wonderfully soothing voice speaking to me in Italian. I am Italian. And, and I, I don't think that my Italian is very good because I've been away from Italy for many years. And this voice was so soothing, and it, the Italian was poetic and, and wonderful, and it was my voice. So it was the voice that was coming through my, my throat. And it was talking to me, but it wasn't me, but it was me. And so I said, uh, well, first I said, I'm so happy you're here, and you, and you love me. And, and then I said, but who are you? And he said, you know very well who I am. And I knew it was um, God. But it was me. But it was God. And it was a glorious moment of just feeling one and feeling loved and feeling... Yeah. Uh, at, at some point, and then I said, can I... Are you always going to be here for me? Can I come back to you? I said, and he said, or I said, I'm always going to be here for you. I'm always going to be here. And I, I felt so happy and so blissful. And, and then, whoosh, I was in the body again. And I was cuddled up on the floor. And, and again, I was shivering. And, and I felt sick. And, and that, looking back to that experience, to me it was, I think that was the closest that I can come to an understanding of what revelation could be in my experience. So that was uh, a, rev rev a revelatory experience with hallucinogens. And then there was another one which I had um, a couple of days before I came here, 
where I decided to overcome my fear and go into that world again because I, I don't take that decision easily. I, I do that maybe once or twice a year because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of, of, I'm afraid of evil. I'm afraid of evil. Am I afraid of evil getting me when I go into that world? So it took me a lot of mental preparation and I went there and and then I uh, I dimmed the lights so the light was orange and, and dark and black and there was no music and I, I tried to I really tried to go with the intention of 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 being guided by the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to meet my fear because I, I met a couple of different entities in that um, space of my mind. Some were, were like um, electric angels. But they were not evil, but they were not good either. They were neutral and they were just doing a job. And, and I felt them like being cold and distant. And I really craved for some empathy, for some pat on the shoulder. And I didn't get it from these entities. And, and, and I've been thinking, well, who are these entities? It, is it me? Is it, is it aspects of my mind? Or, is it, or is, it, is it entities like the entities, in inverted commas, that I meet in everyday life? So anyway, I went into this experience and um, I passed out. And then at some point um, I knew that there was something that I was meant to do in this in this space, but I couldn't formulate thoughts clearly, and I really struggled to formulate an intention. And then I re then this word came, forgiveness, and I and then I thought, aha, okay, now I'm on the right track. And then I thought, what's the other word? What's the other word? What's the other word? And I said, the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah. And then I felt. I felt I wasn't alone anymore, and I felt I was on the right track. And then I slowly came out of that experience. But this long story is to tell you, I am very um, confused about what to do with this psychedelic work. Is it leading me anywhere? Is it complementary, complementary to the Course in Miracle work? Or... or or am I on the wrong path? Or should I just drop it? Well, I would say that, that these types of, of experiences offer glimpses. Certainly the one you had that was a revelatory glimpse. I would say that was the value of the psychedelics right there. You know, that in this seeming lifetime for you, that was the value right there. I, I did, I had done many world travels and I met a, a young man um, when I was in Hawaii some years ago and he had done a lot of different, had a lot of different drug experiences and so forth. But it was interesting because when I did some gatherings at the founder's house and just spoke and spoke and spoke, he had an experience where it was like, oh, I, 
I've, this is my path. I'm finding my path. I'm listening and I'm seeing and I'm hearing and I'm feeling uh, that I'm kind of like in, I'm being led into my pathway. And as I was sharing earlier this, today, this morning about the, about the turtle and the, the steadiness of that practice, I really feel like, like these kind of, whether it's through psychedelic drugs or whether it's through circular breathing or, or a number of different um, seemingly techniques that, and experiences, I do feel that initially the Holy Spirit has to teach through contrast because it has to give you the, the, the urge or the impetus for your path. And then I feel like that's what it's for right there. It's almost like a being going to a trampoline to, to kind of spring towards something or see, the, see a contrast, which then you have a recognition. And it sounds like even with this second, this experience you just had, and then hearing that word forgiveness, and then hearing Holy Spirit, those were very much, it was a confirmation. So, I don't know that it, it has long-term uh, value. I would say you know, the Spirit can use anything, and the Spirit has used that in, in a way that gave you uh, a real contact, making contact with this, you know, for you hearing your own voice, you know, that'd be like me off and having Andrea Bocelli singing to me or something, the prayer, oh, you know, it was be euphoric and oh, filled up and bubbling with, overflowing with love and joy. And, and then I think it's the steady path. I mean, that's why I say to people, if, if the Course is your path, I think it's best to just give yourself over to it really fully and just practice as it instructs with everyday interactions and, and the steady practice of it uh, is, is so glorious and so wonderful. But I would say it's probably more that, that uh, the psychedelics have served that purpose and now the calling is really, it's like, oh, put your heart into the path. Even those workbook lessons, like just throw your heart into that every day. Uh, that's what I did. I would, I would throw my heart so much into the lesson of the day that if somebody came to me and he said, have you seen such and such a lesson or whatever, I'd be like, look at him real funny because I was so into doing the lesson of the day so fully that I expected to wake up with that lesson of the day. I'm not interested in <laughs> You know how many lessons? I'm not interested in how many, how many there are. Do you know what's coming? I'm not interested in what's over the horizon. I expect it to be today. I'm going at it as if the day is the day. And, you know, to give it, to give yourself fully to that. So that's what I would, I would share. Yeah. Well, th thank you so much, David. You know, I cannot really express how much I love you. Oh, thank you. I love you, you too. I, I'm glad thank you, you. Wa waited all day to, to yeah. share it, because we all appreciate so much what you shared. <laughs> thank you. Gift. And it'll get, it'll get up on, on Spreaker, so you'll be able to listen Great. to it as much as you want. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
Hello, David. Hello. Um, this morning, uh, when you were speaking, back, I was back there, it, it suddenly came to me from what you said that there actually is no script. Um, you were saying, you said something about being rather linear, the whole word script sort of has a linear feel about it. And uh, my question is really, I've got two questions by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the first one is, um, is that right, that there really is no script except for the, a tiny portion of the script, or actually probably the whole script in this moment now? Is that yeah, yeah. the right way of looking that's at it? it. It's, there, there really is no script at all, so that's why it's hard to understand the script, because <laughs> it doesn't exist. You know, it's hard to understand what doesn't exist. But actually, it's, it's also put in there as a, as a stepping stone. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of metaphors in the Course where it's like, it's designed to reach the mind wherever it is. So I tell people, it would be like if you were really just lost and, and you were like, help, help, and, and then suddenly from above a rope or a ladder got lowered down in front of you and a voice said, climb. <laughs> it was like, you know, and, you'd, and you said, what? And it said, just grab hold anywhere you can. You know, if like if somebody threw you a life raft in the ocean, you were going down. Just grab any, anything that you can get. And there's things in the course like that. You know, uh, God is incomplete without you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually, a hard one to believe. Yeah, I, I, you know, God weeps at this and this, and you know, God doesn't really weep, and God is not really incomplete. But, but you can imagine just coming in and grabbing the rope. Mm. And thinking, oh, God is incomplete without me. Oh, you know, <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> you know, you got me. <laughs> but it's not actually the truth. And the script is written. I always tell people when they get, because today seems to be our script is written day. <laughs> Antonite. But basically I tell people, well the emphasis is on the last word, the written part. It's 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 written, it's past tense. I mean that's the that's the value of it. But but actually when you go deeper with following this, then this idea of this script or this noodle or this uh, linear thing, you start to realize, hmm, I don't know that uh, I want to hang with this. Uh, I want to uh, rise and uh, show me uh, who I am. And, and then you start to have experiences, miraculous experiences, that at, at most seem to, if there's any kind of feeling with the script, it's almost like collapsing it. Like uh, I was, one time somebody said, well what is the script thing? And you always talk about this noodle. And I said, well let's use a different thing, a celery stick. And they said, okay. And I said, you have a sharp knife. You just chum, and then chum, chum, and then the celery stick, chum, 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 chum. You know, it starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter. That's kind of like the, the time collapse aspect of the miracle, or bringing the Alpha and the Omega uh, together. 
But ultimately, what's the point if if I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end? Uh, or the way he even Jesus describes the atonement, Jesus says the atonement is the first miracle and the last miracle and all the miracles in between. <laughs> okay. You know, you start to get a hint that maybe he's just using concepts for a mind that is so addicted to the linear that he wants to, for that mind to have something to grab on in a practical way. Even uh, 365 lessons, you know, that seems kind of uh, one day, one lesson for every day of the week, but Ultimately, yeah, there comes an aha where you start to see, yeah, that there, there, is, there is no script. Yeah. And also that affects us, when, you know, like if I say uh, the plan of awakening, most of the time people take that word plan mm -hmm. and they stretch that out. Where you can see from another angle, it's like the plan of awakening is the holy instant. Mm -hmm. So it has a whole different quality mm -hmm. instead of thinking of the plan, mm -hmm. the long-range plans and everything. Holy instant. Do I want the problem or do I want the answer? Teach only love for that is what you are. You know, it's just, it starts to zoom, zoom, zoom in like put a, a focus on the now, on the now. And so I can see what you're asking in this first question. You know, it's like yeah, that's, that's what you were inferring from what I was speaking, that, mm -hmm. that actually there isn't. That's just a, a teaching device that is mm -hmm. for relating to the sleeping mind. Yeah. Yes, what you said about the, the cause and the effect, both being in this instant, yes. that really made me sit up and open wide, because that's how it's all here now, the whole thing. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's, that is the simultaneity when we're talking about cause and effect are together. Mm -hmm. Because that is, is, you might say, mirroring a fact. And what is a fact? A fact is, is that, that the Creator and the creation are one, are, are one spirit. Like when Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Mm -hmm. Now he did say, I and the Father. So it seemed to be there was two parts to the statement. Mm -hmm. he, was, he never really said, I am God. That got projected onto him. Mm -hmm. But he, he did say, I and the Father are one. Meaning, I and the Father are one spirit. Mm -hmm. Now that's even important because um, there's, a, there's a workbook lesson in A Course in Miracles and it's a, it fits right in with, I and the Father are one. And he says in the workbook lesson, I choose the second place to gain the first. Mm -hmm. Fascinating workbook lesson. Mm -hmm. I choose the second. It reminds me of Jesus 2,000 years ago. They say, oh, all this and this. He says, why do you call me good? God is good. <laughs> Immediately it comes here and it goes right there. Mm -hmm. because, because the source is where everything comes from. The source mm -hmm. is where the creation of Christ comes from. The, that, that the cause and the effect, or the creator and the creation, are alike each other in every way except for one. And I was like, oh, what's that one? That the creator 
created Christ and Christ did not create the Creator. Okay? That's an important distinction. It's really one spirit. But, but, the, but God is the Creator. And there's no doubt about that. That's a fact. What happens is the ego is like, oh, so you're number two. Mm. So you're not number one, you're number two. If you just come over here with me, I can devise a scheme where you can be number one. I can devise a scheme where you can create yourself and you don't need God. It, it's right over here and it's called time and space. And you can invent yourself and reinvent yourself as many times as you want. But the ego says, but the good news is, you're number one. You're number one over here. Now back over here in heaven, he says, don't even, number two, that's just terrible. That's awful. And you see how tricky this ingenious puff of nothing is trying to lure the mind into believing that it can be the creator of itself. And that's how this whole seeming time-space world comes out is there's no humbleness in I accept myself exactly as my creator created me. That's very humble. And Jesus said when that, during that creation, you know, it's like Christ answered yes. So this idea of I can invent myself or I can create myself is actually breaking a promise. When creation was perfect, there was an acknowledgement and a yes to that. And then this tiny mad idea, this puff of nothingness, it's, it's the belief that you can usurp God. Then you can be number one. So that's why Jesus is such an example because he's so humble. The apostles, you know, were like, they really believed that Jesus would be like the king of the Jews. And um, I don't know if you ever had a chance to see this uh, Mary Magdala movie. It's an excellent movie, but, but of the apostles, particularly, uh, there, there are those apostles that actually are looking for Jesus to kind of use his supernatural powers to kind of really take over, take, take Jerusalem back, take Galilee back, show his might and glory and put down everything in the world. They just totally projected kind of a, an earthly projection of a king or the king of the Jews or a, a leader like a lot of uh, political and power, personal power, onto Jesus. And that wasn't at all what the Kingdom of Heaven was about. He, it's so gentle and, and sweet and, and just like the true God. So that's very, uh, it's a very good point that you're bringing up with that because there's a lot of nuances mm -hmm. with that and starting to really feel the humbleness that's required to accept yourself as as God created you. Thank you very much. The second question. Uh, I've always, with the word atonement, it's always been a bit misty to me and didn't really mean very much. But then a while ago, 
I read it again and saw it as at one moment. And that completely changed my perception and view of atonement. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to check that at one month is kosher, so to speak. It's, it's <laughs> correct. <laughs> I haven't changed yeah. the meaning. Yeah, it's either way you pronounce it, it, um, it really means correction. And so atonement kind of has a quality of atoning for sin or atoning for error. And as long as that's understood to be correcting error, mm. you know, because sometimes uh, even the word atonement gets, when it gets translated to other uh, languages, like it has kind of like in, in Spanish, kind of it, it can take on a term, or French, like an expiation, as if you have to pay a price. Mm -hmm. And even some of the translations of the Course in Miracles, they've got the wrong meaning for that word. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was in, in uh, Switzerland, in Geneva, many years ago, and I was going to do this huge gathering in Geneva, and the organizer was, oh, all stressed out, like, David, I can't, I cannot find a translator, and oh, most of these people are going to come there, and they only know French, and you don't speak French, and it was like a big squeeze. So finally, the, the week went on, and finally the organizer was desperate, was went to a translation school and said to the students, even at the like desperate, somebody please help to the students, can anybody translate for David? And the students like, oh, it's vacation, you know, we're going on, even the students were not interested in translating, they're going on vacation. But there was one young uh, student who said, um, I think I can do it. So, uh, I get there, and there's like this huge room full of people, and this young woman, a translating student, comes and sits next to me. And I look around, and I go, oh. And they've got this big French edition of A Course in Miracles. Un course on miracles. Miracles. And so I'm like, okay. So I said, I said, do you know anything about A Course in Miracles? She said, no. So I'm like, okay, good, we got a student and who can do English, and I said, okay, Jesus, you're in charge here. She's a student, and she can do English, and, and so she's my translator, thank you, thank you, and then um, I had the book, and I said, here, you might want to take a look at this. Uh, this is some of the ideas that we'll be sharing. I like it if the translator even has a clue of what's going on. So I gave it to her, and she looked around, she... She opens up this big French Course in Miracles book, and she's there, doesn't even know the Course, and she goes, hmm, and she points out a word. It was atonement. Yeah. And she points at the word, she goes, ah, this is wrong. They have this, this translation is wrong. Oh. She picks the most important word. <laughs> <laughs> a student. I'm like, okay, Jesus, picks the, the most important word in the book. <laughs> and corrected it. And corrects it. And then she said, this should be correction. She says, and I'm like, you're going to do really good today. <laughs> and so it was like an all-day gathering. We went all morning, we went all afternoon, and she was just 
amazing, absolutely amazing. And then finally, uh, I said, well, everyone, I said, big room, I said, I said, I am so grateful for her and, I'm, and I, I just want to share our gratitude. So, so it, when we finish here, if you see her, I would love it if you would just give her a big hug. And she's like, oh no, no, please. <laughs> I cannot stand to be hugged. <laughs> so, okay, just smile at her. And let's give her, I said, give her a big round of applause and everybody cheered. But that just shows, you know, out of the whole book, hmm. she just picks out the word and says the translators who <laughs> worked on it for years. <laughs> got that word wrong, and she wow. right away picked it up. This, it should be correction, and I was like, mm. so that you're on whichever pronunciation you feel most comfortable with, and also with the awareness that that it's it means the correction of the error. So it's the correction in the mind. It's really forgiveness. It's mm. it means complete, absolute forgiveness. Mm. It's like without any other options, just that complete forgiveness. Thanks very much. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Beautiful. Oh, wow. Well, I have another treat for you tonight. Uh, it's going to be a little different from the rest, but we keep bringing in these happy surprises, so you're going to be happily surprised. Tonight, we're going to come at healing and forgiveness through the theme of relationships. We're going through the theme of relationships. I mean, actually, the first movie we watched yesterday, you know, there was a, there's some strong relationship themes in that one. And with Elton, you know, he had his, he was dealing with his special relationships, but, but wow, Elton and Bernie, you know, there was a, there was a holy relationship there. There was a relationship that was really pointing to God. And I could really feel that really strong. And, and since this is the script is written day, uh, I will say that, that this, this um, episode, I'll call it, we're going to watch tonight, really is, it's almost like a futuristic uh, world in which uh, relationships play a part, and uh, we talk about tuning into your intuition and the Holy Spirit. There's actually a, like a, a digital coach that is, is our representative in this futuristic world. It basically gives you uh, relationship advice. So you not only have a relationship, but you have a nice little coach. You, know, you can keep it in your purse or you know, call on it when you need some advice. Uh, and, and basically also the way that the context of the relationships in this kind of futuristic world is that, that there's a real strong sense of destiny. I think a lot of times with relationships in this world that people have a very different view of, of relationships. It's a different context. I'll give you an example. Uh, one time I was in an, on an airplane, a long airplane flight, and I, I was getting in and I just kind of settled into my seat and was relaxing. And behind me were two women in the row right behind me. And one was from India. 
and one was from, I think, California. And they got into a big discussion about marriage. And it was so funny to listen to them because the Indian woman, I think she, she was part of an arranged marriage when she was like 15 years old, where she didn't even see her husband until the day that she married him. And uh, when she started talking about it, um, the, the woman from California, she almost like, ah! She, she was horrified at uh, this idea of, of getting married at 15 to someone uh, that she had never, this woman had never met. It was a, an arranged marriage. And as I listened to him, as the conversation went on, the Indian woman was bubbling and happy and said, Oh, it's so, so good that it, we just trust, you know, we trust it's all for God and, and we get married and we open up. We have to learn to forgive and open up and let go of all of our expectations. And, and, da, da, and the more <laughs> the Indian woman talked, the more the other woman was just horrified. She just got... <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there smiling, and, and the Indian woman was, oh, it's been such a blessing. Oh, it's so, <laughs> the 35 years of this, and oh, and the, ah, <laughs> it's just, like, she's horrified at the arranged marriage, she's horrified at the purpose that the woman's talking about for the arranged marriage, she's horrified it's 35 years, you know, she was horrified, everything the woman, the Indian woman said, the other woman was absolutely horrified, and I was like, hmm. Two very different perspectives on marriage. Two very different perspectives on relationship. One, the Indian woman just trusting that all the circumstances were arranged by God and she would use that marriage to open her heart and love her husband with her whole heart and learn to purify her heart through the marriage and absolutely filled with gratitude at the whole thing and happy to be sharing it and then the woman just becoming more horrified with every 10 minutes of the story. And so I would say that tonight's episode I'm going to show it's more this society of with this uh, little uh, relationship coach and it has a strong destiny to it too like you can see that the relationships in this in this area this society are very uh very destined it, it's not like oh i went into a bar and i met this guy and you know i kind of like this about him he's kind of cute and da 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 where it's more like uh relationships in some perceptions they seem more like when someone goes grocery shopping you know, they go and they squeeze the melons and, you know, and they just, they are actually, like, when, when they're shopping for fruit or shopping for food or shopping for something, it's more like they're just testing it out and seeing if this is satisfactory. And if it's not, they, they toss the fruit and go back for, uh, from fresh produce or something, you know, like this. It's, it's more like a commodity. Like, oh, this will do for now. And uh, let's see if it meets my needs, you know. Oh, yeah, it could. It, this, yeah, yeah. And, well, there's some downsides, but I think I can live with that. And then this is a downside, but I can change him or I can change her. <laughs> I'm sure I can. 
If I can't, there's many fish in the sea. I'll just come back shopping. But it's more like a shopping adventure to some. You see how different that is from the Indian woman. You know, she's not interested in shopping for a husband. She feels that God will deliver the perfect one for her to come back to realize God. And she's thrilled with whatever comes because she's going to have to face whatever she's going to have to face to purify whatever she has to purify to come to know the Spirit. You see, it's a different perspective. So tonight's little episode, I'll posit some and we'll, we'll watch it, but basically it's, it's going to be really starting to look at the purpose for relationships, which I mentioned just a little while ago, the purpose for relationships is mirroring. You know, you can't be too grateful for this mirroring because, why? Because the relationships are mirroring back to your mind the aspects that you have pushed out of awareness. Like you actually need these relationships, you need these mirrors. Because they're going to help you get in touch with what you believe but don't even know that you believe because it's subconscious. So actually, you should really be really super grateful for all relationships because they're helping you out. You know, they're, you know, you should be filled with gratitude. It doesn't work that way for the ego. I mean, the ego is the getting mechanism in the mind. It's like thinking of relationships in an entire, like a shopping spree, like what am I going to get? How long am I going to have it? Uh, what, how will it benefit me? Um, you know, my, like those old things of is there a dowry involved? Is there, is there perks and benefits? What am I going to get? What am I going to receive? That's the ego has a whole different reason for relationships because the ego is the belief system in lack, so it's, it's out there to fill up the lack. It's looking to find a relationship to fill up the hole, fill up the emptiness, and, and so it's coming at it from a very, very different angle. And with the ego, there's going to be enormous expectations, you know. I'll love you if, treat me right, dun, dun, dun. You know, you, you better treat me right, you better offer me some benefits, and there better be some really good benefits out of this. Because as the ego would say, there's a lot of fish in the sea, so I'm giving you a trial run. See if you can meet my needs, give you a try, and if you can't, well, I'm going to have to cut you loose and go back to the sea and do some more fishing till I find somebody who can meet my needs and who treats me right. You know, that's basically the ego. What does Jesus say about all this ego use of, of relationships? Well, he does have something to say. He says, seek not outside yourself. For it will fail, and you will weep each time an idol falls. That's what Jesus has to say about the ego's use of relationships. Is it important to Jesus that you're not fooled by these ego tricks? It sure is. That's why he spends from chapter 15 to 24, nine chapters out of 31, saying, here, let me help you out. The ego is going to try to hijack your mind and the ego is going to try to use relationships to keep you guilty and keep you away from knowing who you are and keep you away from the kingdom of heaven. 
So that's why it's important. Now, tonight's little episode is going to go all the way. It's going to be, you're going to see that, that the main character and the main characters are going to go through some different things here. And, and that's why it's important to let Jesus, the Holy Spirit, your higher self, the intuition, call it whatever you want. You have to let the Spirit guide your use of relationships for the mirroring, for the exposure, for the transparency, no private thoughts, no people pleasing, so that you can clear your mind of the attack thoughts. That's what the purpose of relationship is, it's to clear your mind in the most rapid way of all grievances and attack thoughts. What a wonderful purpose. And the main characters in this are going to start to feel a connection, a vibrancy. They have their fears, their resistances, their doubts. And then we're going to watch it as, as the Spirit works with them and works underneath the scenes, behind the scenes, to take them all the way to the atonement, to transcendence, you know, to what this is all about. It's, it's gonna, this is going to be a kind of a brief episode, but we're going to watch how the Spirit can take it and take it where you know there's something profound about the relationship. And if, if each one is determined to not get bogged down in the fear and the doubt and the resistance, if they really are willing to go for it, then it's there. It's, it's interesting for me when I went to the Manual for Teachers because if you read through the Manual for Teachers you see one of the, the section headings is called Levels of Teaching. Okay? So you, so you turn to Levels of Teaching and you think, oh, this will be fascinating. What's Jesus got to say about Levels of Teaching? First sentence. To God's teachers there are no levels of teaching, no levels of relationship. Wait a minute, the title said <laughs> levels of teaching and the first sentence it says God's teachers have no levels. Okay, then he goes on almost like, but for you <laughs> who need help, <laughs> here's three levels. Even though the first sentence says there's no levels. And he gives three levels. One is a level of casual encounters. Like running, a child running into an adult or meeting somebody in an elevator or, you know, a casual encounter with somebody on the street or with the postma postman or something like this. Then there's a second level of these no levels. That, uh, that says two people who come together for a fairly intense teaching-learning situation and then appear to separate. And, and the t it's because the teaching and learning has been maximal. Each one has taught and learned the most that they can. Oh, that's kind of fascinating. And then what's the third one of these no levels? The third one is a lifelong teaching learning partner. It's for a lifetime. And so it's like, oh, he's talking about soulmates. He's so sweet. 
You see how he tells, there's no levels, and then right away, oh, his soulmates. And the, but he says, no. Um, he says, no, with the lifelong, he said, the teaching-learning balance is actually perfect. Uh, but, he says, they may be hostile to one another, perhaps for life. It's like, oh. It's the worst soulmate definition ever in the history. And you're just like, and, but then he goes, but if they decide to learn it, the perfect lesson is before them and can be learned. So it does come with a very optimistic <laughs> ending. Now I remind you, these are the three levels that, that aren't levels. <laughs> So, just like we talked about, the script is written, and actually there is no script. Uh, these are the levels. And, and what's nice about tonight's little episode is you're going to get to see, in a pretty rapid way, um, the Spirit using these to take them towards the escape hatch from time and space, towards the atonement, towards uh, this expansive experience that is way beyond what the ego perceives as its world. So I thought that would be a treat, because, uh, yeah, we, the Course is a Course in using relationships to wake up. So I think for tonight we're going to really enjoy it. So, sit back and enjoy, and I may pause it a few times here. Okay, so <laughs> very much like, like even dating systems in this world, you know, this it seems to be the part of the system is is to find a sense of compatibility. But but I think you start to see with relationships, you know, we're in this world compatibility seems pretty high whether it's, it's some kind of attraction or something where it feels like there's some sense of compatibility, but ultimately I think it's again, what is the purpose of the relationships? You know, that's ultimately, like Jesus is telling us, the only question you need to ask with anything is, what is it for? And then when we bring in this idea of mind training, you could start to see that that's why Jesus starts off his levels of relationship with, to God's teachers, there are no levels of relationship. Because basically it's just one mind, and you have to get in touch with this subconscious thoughts and beliefs. So everyone that you meet, or everyone that you think about, Everyone offers the same opportunity for forgiveness, whether it seems to be the, Jesus calls it the casual encounters, or the teaching learning opportunities that go on for some time and then seem to end, seem to, they seem to part, and each one has learned the maximum amount they can teach and learn, and then the lifelong. You start to realize that the real question is not actually one of compatibility, because you're not looking at it in terms of a time thing, a lifelong partner necessarily. You're looking at it in terms of 
What is blocking me from the light? What am I thinking? What am I believing? What is, what is being reflected back to me where I feel discontent, where I feel unhappy, sad, irritated, annoyed, frustrated, whatever. It, it, and also notice the, with the coach, you know, it's all predestined in terms of their expiry dates. So right away the opportunity to look at if you have any thoughts and judgments around the time or the length of the relationship. That's a time thing, learning to, to forgive. And ultimately, I think this is contrasted with what we've been talking about where it's like, it's so important to get very, very clear on what is it for. Because to allow the spirit to use the relationship to move towards forgiveness, to move towards atonement, there is going to have to be some sense of a vibrational connection which we saw the first pair to come together. There seemed to be a bit of a, like a vibrational connection and that will be very important but also that's only important in terms of the context of what is it for. Like what is it really for? It's for forgiveness. The only purpose of this world is for forgiveness. And you see how different that is from looking at, you know, what's a good job for me? You know, there's all these factors that usually go on into that and compatibility as well with that relationship. There's all these factors that seem to be involved and compatibility with that. Even with the, the location, where do you live? What is your living environment? There seems to be these factors involved and compatibility and so on and so forth. And I think that's one advantage of working with the Course is it starts to say you really do have to ask this question, what is it for with everything? And you really do have to see that, that you don't really have a lot of separate different purposes and there really aren't actually a lot of factors involved. It's really quite simple. It's like, is forgiveness your purpose? Is forgiveness your priority? And when you put that out in front, your mind goes through such a healing. You go through such a transformation. I've even had, uh, a while ago, I had a, a man who hosted me in Hawaii for a retreat and it was very deep. It was on Easter, few years ago and, and it was very deep and very profound and and then um, recently he was telling somebody in the community that uh, he hosted a, another uh, non-dual, he called it non-dual retreat there and he said, oh my God, what a difference. He said, I couldn't believe it, I hosted a non-dual retreat and I, and I had David here and, and I had the people here and and he said the ones that came to David's retreat were like, they seemed to be using everything that happened during the retreat and the accommodations and the environment and the food and everything as part of their mind training. Watching their minds and watching their criticism and judgments. And then I had this other non-dual retreat and he said everybody was complaining 
the whole time they complained about the food they complained about the 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 bedrooms the bedding they you know they complained about everything all week long and to me all that was saying in terms of a contrast experience was it's back to that basic question what is it for are you dedicated are you devoted to the healing to the calling are you using everything in your dream experience for mind training or are you compartmentalizing things and and just keeping your spirituality off in some kind of little bubble or box that you pull out and you know you devote a, a, an hour or a couple hours a day to and then you get back to all the categorizing and all the have to do this, should do this, ought to do this, judging this, comparing this, you know, it's like you really have to come to a sense of self-honesty. So I think so far with the little glimpse that we've seen, it's like this is a system ultimately saying that it's promising uh, a life match, 98 point something percent. But but actually for us and our purposes, we know that there's a much higher goal than compatibility. And ultimately, if your purpose is forgiveness and, and remembering God, then, then things will take some very interesting turns that are very unexpected and very unanticipated. Because the Holy Spirit is going to try to do a major rinse job and really clean and purify the mind in order to experience the truth. You know, you, Jesus says in order to, to know the truth you have to, you have to meet, the, meet its conditions. In other words, you can't, you can't experience truth until you're, you're ready, until you go through this purification so that you are ready to behold the truth of what has always been true. So we're going to watch what happens, you know, with the private thoughts. They're, pretty soon we're going to start to see some themes around uh, the private thoughts because you can tell when, when there's judgments around the ah or around whatever. Uh, you know, if you don't even speak up, it just kind of gnaws away in there, you know, as as something that is uh, is a dislike, and that's just a, a judgment like any other kind of judgment. And and what we're going for is more of a sense of transparency, and that will bring up its own set of fears and resistances, as we've talked about. But but it's a huge advance towards towards the atonement. Okay. The consequences of fear. You think you're asking a simple question, but but if it's if it's a private thought, if you seem to break uh, an agreement or break an interpersonal agreement, and and you're doing something on your own. As the Course says, you know, in the Rules for Decision, make no decisions by yourself, but if you're doing something on your own, that, that is a 
pretty good definition right there of a private thought. And that just shows you, whether you call it a secret, a private thought, it's something that you want to keep hidden. In fact, he even, he got his little coach and he went off to a room where, where Amy wasn't to even ask that, to go against the agreement. So, in the end, that's why it's so important to allow and be aware of these private thoughts. And these are just thoughts that you wouldn't share with anyone. Uh, or, or you could even say these are thoughts you wouldn't share with everyone. Because if there's any fear or there's any doubt and there's any fear of sharing, it must believe, mean that you believe that it's real and that you want to hide it and protect it. So this is why uh, secrecy is all part of the ego system and that's what the unconscious mind is. It's almost like keeping a secret from yourself, holding on to certain uh, thoughts and concepts and assumptions and then, and then pushing them down under into mind where they just become beliefs. Uh, that's, that's how private thoughts are, are made. That's how private thoughts are maintained and protected. And that's why in our community, in our daily lives, we really practice no people-pleasing, no private thoughts because it's going to be that transparency and that exposure that ignites the awakening. Because if you're going to keep secrets from your brothers and your sisters, then that just means you're attempting to keep secrets from the Holy Spirit. And that's why even in like the Catholic Church, you know, they have like the confessional, confess your sins. There's different aspects in different um, religions and philosophies and in healing modalities, but, but it starts to become very clear that that's what Jesus and the Holy Spirit are leading us to in A Course in Miracles, is, is not hiding and protecting anything you know, from the Spirit, because that will delay the healing and delay the awakening. And this exposure, you have to build a trust. You have to have a trust and a momentum to get used to a new direction of, of extreme transparency, because that is going to be of the highest benefit to you in approaching the atonement. That's how you zoom in and you zoom toward the atonement. When you, when you really pray and you say, I have nothing that I would hide, nothing I would protect. Because once again, everything that is kept hidden is believed to be real. And that's the problem. Believing the ego is real is the problem. Believing these thoughts are real is why they are hidden. Exposing the thoughts is saying, I trust that, that I can hand this over to you and that you will take this from me. And that's how the healing occurs, bringing the darkness to the light. So, in this relationship, you might say, uh, at this point, with what ju we just saw, Jesus would basically say, now is the time for faith. Now is the time for faith. You really, the relationship 
will only help you if you have faith. You know, if you have faith in the Holy Spirit, if you have, if you have invited the Holy Spirit into your relationships for healing, when there seems to be a discrepancy, something hidden, something, some broken promise, something that was agreed upon, some infidelity of some sort, that that's the Holy Spirit's interpretation, that's Jesus' interpretation. Now is the time for faith. The ego will say, you know, you know, dismiss, dismiss your brother, and and Jesus is basically saying, don't don't listen to this, don't don't hear this voice in your mind. This is an opportunity for healing. This is not a reason for separation. This is an opportunity for healing. Don't listen to the separation thoughts. See what the lesson is and go for the lesson because you, it will benefit you in the most amazing way. It will take you towards the light. One, two, three, four. No matter how it plays out, no matter how it looks, it always seems to come back to just how willing am I to forgive and what is all of this for regarding the changing emotions and situations and watching the comings and going. You know, Jesus says, time is a trick of sleight of hand in which figures seem to come and go by magic. Just this movement of all these images and all these different things and all the meanings that have been given. I have given everything I see, all the meaning it has for me. And yet, there's still this question in mind. What is it for? How willing am I to forgive? How willing am I to let it all go? In the full context of everything we've talked about, it's really that simple. How willing am I to forgive? And how the ego tries to make it all complicated. What happened? What did you do? What did she say? You didn't have a chance to apologize and on and on and on. We have to come deep, deep down inside to just that one simple thing. How willing am I to forgive? And, and that, it turns out that that right there is going to make all the difference in our state of mind in our acceptance of, of the healing. Okay. <laughs> well, if this has been just repeating over and over and the world's toying with us, it would seem that there might be an escape, but it seems like that escape would require one thing. 
the relinquishment of the belief that the world is outside your mind. They see all these characters, you know, looking at them. And we know how that's been. We know we have believed what? That people are watching. Maybe it's our parents, maybe it's people at work, maybe it's social friends. We're, we believe we're taking thoughts and we have our actions and decisions, but oftentimes why do we hide things? Why do we just give in and play by the rules? Uh, why is it that we're so concerned what other people think? Why is it that we hesitate sometimes to do that which feels very inspiring and joyful? But we think, what will other people think? How much people-pleasing do we go, even if we start to sense that this is just a game and the world is toying with us and toying with our mind, actually toying with our mind, because why? Because we give it the power to toy with us. We, we must have given that power away. We must have said, okay, I believe I'm at the mercy of images and I am at the mercy of what these other people will say and do. Even at the mercy of our own, what seems to be our own behavior. Well, I did this, well. People tell me, well, you know, I did do this and this and this. I should be guilty. <laughs> You know, you see how that goes. It's, but what if it's all a trick? What if we're just facing our beliefs and our thoughts and maybe the one belief that we have to face is this idea that the world is out, external to our mind. And it's capable of doing things to us against our will. What if that's a lie too? What if that line I talked about today, you know, what happens is what I desire and what does not occur is what I do not want to happen. What if our mind is that powerful, that powerful and that we cannot be a victim of the world. I am not a victim of the world I see because, because my mind has the power to, as Jesus say, says, dominate all things you see by merely recognizing what you are. He says that in the Course. You can dominate all things you see by merely recognizing what you are. That's what Jesus is an example for us. He simply accepted the atonement and then he was not at the mercy of an external world. He overcame the ego in the mind and transcended the trick. And, and then he could say, before Abraham was, I am. and I am the way, the truth, the life. And beautiful teachings. I and the Father are one. Beautiful teachings actual teachings from an actual state of mind. So here's our, our pair now. They've felt drawn to each other and now she's bringing up this idea, what if we've done this thousands of times and it's a test 
And it's just a test to see if we really can hang with, nothing can stop us from being together. What if it's a test for that? Imagine if you had a relationship where you were willing to trust so deeply that you could say, nothing will ever stand between us. Nothing will ever break us apart. Nothing will prevent us from seeing we are the same one. We share the same self. We share the same mind. All these private thoughts were just a giant trick to try to convince us that we're guilty and separate. So let's see what happens here. Uh, they seem to be ready to make, a, to make a run for it, but more than that, just to face the idea, the belief that the world is external to their mind. 1,000 simulations complete, 998 rebellions logged. <laughs> what if every hypothetical is just a rebellion? Yeah. We don't care if you put them in a string, you put them in a dot, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> whatever you want to believe in, lines or dots, you know, in the end, you know, we have to uh, accept the correction and end the rebellion, rebelling against God's will, which is our own, for perfect happiness. So that's the convincing job, you know, it, it comes down in the end to uh, Am I going to yield to love or am I going to attempt a rebellion of hypotheticals in a hypothetical world? And, and in the end, there's a movie uh, that I have in my Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment and the movie is called Waking Life. And uh, the main character is questioning all the way through the movie, uh, wondering if it's a dream or what's happening, is, is any of it real? He's pondering all those things, but uh, at the end he talks to this uh, man at this uh, pinball machine and basically the guy tells him, well, basically what Earth seems to be and what the human condition seems to be is basically uh, God is saying, uh, do you want to be one with me? And uh, time is, is saying no. And he says, so, so what do I do? And, and then the guy says, well in the end you finally just say yes. Yes to your Creator. You finally say, I, I'm still as you created me. And I'm grateful. And so that's really deep in the mind, but time is nothing but saying no. And, and atonement 
or forgiveness is just a, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that it could boil down. It could all come down to that. So, how are we doing tonight? Hmm. Earlier than usual. <laughs> so, I'll just leave it open right now and ask, does anybody want to come up? Does anybody have anything to share from what we just watched tonight? My question is not really about tonight. Um, the idea of uh, no private thoughts and uh, no people pleasing, it's uh, new to me. And um, since I'm here, I'm just thinking how, I'm, how I am going to do this when I get back home. <laughs> I'm just wondering how, so I, I understand that this has been, um, uh, you started with this in the, in the community as something spontaneous to, uh, and I understand in, in the community there's this, um, um, agree, uh, both, both people are agree or everybody agrees uh, about this. So then I wonder, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, this person, this person. <laughs> I know some persons I can, some people that I can um, uh, uh, start to do this uh, more than before or getting better and better at it. And um, then I wonder how, how is it going because you have different relations. You have relations with uh, my, my my husband, my children, uh, the people I'm reading the course with. Uh, so how how does this come along in different relation in different with different people? I I can't, I can't imagine that I uh, practice no private thoughts with um, maybe with certain people that I. I don't have a very, um, you know, I just meet them on a, on a, on a dinner, you know, a dinner of my, my jobs, my, my husband's job or something. People that I don't have a, a, deep, a deep connection with. So I, I would, that's my question. Yeah, thank you. That's a beautiful question. Well, this requires guidance your intuitive guidance, and this requires discernment. Uh, discernment um, in your mind, coming to a clarity on what feels could be helpful. You mean dis discernation? Um, yes. Making yes. So you're not attempting to take, take this idea of no private thoughts, no people-pleasing, and just apply it indiscriminately. Yeah. You know, when you go to the cashier of 
at the checkout of the grocery store or the the station, the gasoline station. You know, you don't. You're not just gonna, or people that perhaps come to visit, uh, work with your husband or as you host for a dinner or something like this. It's very much about discernment, and it's just like if somebody uh, had a, a close friend or a dear friend or a trusted friend. That's where it begins. The Spirit will give you that person and say, here, this is something you can practice. And then it has to start somewhere and then as you start to practice with it and, get, and see the value of it, you start to feel more free, more expansive, more filled with vitality and more energy, then the Spirit will direct you all the way. You know, it's, it's something, you're exactly right, that, that we practice with the community because the community is there by an agreement. They've, they've come, most, all of them have come through A Course in Miracles and oftentimes many, many years of practicing the Course. So they reach a point where they hold that up as, oh, that's an idea. No private thoughts, no people pleasing. Hmm, I think I'd like to to try that or practice. But there's a context for it. So yeah, that's you're on to it. You you're on to it intuitively already that that you just have to really be very prayerful or really feel where that could be helpful, where that could bring a blessing. To, to yourself and, and to another as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Here I am again. It's my day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I have to share something. Um, I hadn't expected, but this film was the reason I am in a relationship, and this seems it seems like to be this relationship those relationships the people has had in the movie and has in which they seem to be very unhappy, but it seems it's I think um, at some time, at at a time when I recognize I'm not happy in this relationship, I gave it completely over to the Holy Spirit. And at this time, the relationship changed, not not in form, but it changed in my perception and I'm getting free in my relationship uh, in which I was seemingly unhappy but I'm not unhappy and I'm so sure that the Holy Spirit <laughs> gave me the relationship I need when it's time for that and I asked him and he said no I, I I got no answer, and that was for me the um, answer. I have to stay there. 
and uh, I, I could, I had learned, I had learned a very, very important lesson. It has, has to do with body, with sickness and illness. And this relationship turns me completely out of this believing because he um, became ill, he got cancer, and um, at a point, shortly before, I think, I thought, no, oh, I can't stand this relationship. I'm so unhappy. Then he got cancer and um, esophagus. Uh, cancer and uh, I, said, I asked spirit what, what shall I do and he said stay stay and for me it was absolutely clear that I had to stay and I um, I wasn't sure what will happen and it it doesn't matter what is the end of this, but I had to stay. And in this time, at the beginning of his uh, illness, I had, uh, I, I shortly was in a group with uh, mir uh, a cause miracle workers and um, then the leader, came to uh, the chapter where Jesus uh, speaks of illness. Um, it is uh, completely in Deutsch, Abwehr uh, gegen Krankheit, defense against uh, illness, sickness, no, against the truth. Sickness is defense against truth, yes. <laughs> and uh, I read the chapter and whew, I thought, okay, okay, this was the first part, but then comes <laughs> the re uh, to the point when I saw this, this illness isn't in the outside it's my belief. My belief in this sickness and illness. And from this point, it changed completely and I come complete in forgiveness. And each day I stay with the Holy Spirit in beneath my work, beneath, I have a lot of work because we, we work together, my partner and I, and I have much to do alone, but I always come to forgive, forgive myself. I want to forgive myself for seeing this false shit. <laughs> There's nothing there. Uh, it was a hard work, but every time it was good, I feel afterwards I feel it's okay, it's good, and I get much strength 
for him also because I I was so clear and I said don't think you have to die you, you don't know it, I have to be the clear one in this situation and um, at the end it was so he got uh, surgery and everything and now he is um, he's sane it's, it's, everything is gone and I thought I think this was for me a very very big lesson it, I'm so so thankful I appreciate that I he give he was the greatest teacher for me in this moment in this time and uh, I yes I know everything is okay everything comes at the right time but but I have learned before before this cancer came, I have a son who is ill <laughs> actually uh, in, at this moment and uh, one and a half year after he, he has depression uh, completely out of work and it goes uh, up and down and uh, then the course come into my life. And with this book, I got hope. It's every time I read these lines, I, it's, like, it's like Jesus is speaking with me. And he tells me every time, okay, everything's okay, you're safe. It's my... Yes, it was everything and and in this time i changed my perception also and i ask i ask what shall i do i'm completely helpless i was so helpless and i ask jesus what shall i do and sometimes i hear and listen and do sometimes not but it it's got getting stronger and stronger and i think this that this is why it's all for, for strengthen us. That's so important to be a strong person in this seemingly world. There's no other way. And for me, I said, no, I, I don't. And I say to the Holy Spirit, I don't want a relationship like this no more when you you have a relationship for me it has to be completely another relationship now it's enough for this okay i will see but i'm still in this relationship and it's okay we will see i will listen okay yeah, it's beautiful. It's really what you're sharing is that what we talked about at the beginning here about true, true empathy. You know, Jesus is telling us that that if you stay with what is real and true, 
that that is the greatest um, protection for your mind, that is the greatest strength, that is your purpose, is to stay with what's true. And it's interesting, 2,000 years ago people said, well Jesus seemed to go around and he seemed to be able to to not only heal the sick, but uh, he could even raise the dead. And it's quite simple, it wasn't, Jesus wasn't healing people, it was just that in the mind he saw that sickness was impossible and that death was impossible, so he didn't share those ideas. So basically our choice is with our mind, we either extend the truth or we multiply illusions. Yes. And that is a very strong uh, direction for us where he's saying, teach only love for that is what you are. Teach, not just go out and with words or sermons or things like that, but with our thoughts and with our feelings. Teach only love for that is what you are. Also, he says, ideas are strengthened by being given away. So, thank you for your witness because this was a very good witness of, of your determination to go back, to turn to the Course, to turn to the Spirit, and even in the face of what the world calls a diagnosis of cancer and esophagus cancer and all these things, you know, it was just a suggestion. And so you had to decide, do I take the suggestion and think it and believe it, or do I say no, that, that suggestion is not true. It's not real, and it's not of God. And so that's exactly how it goes. And then as you go forward, everything that will come to you in your awareness will will continue to be a reflection of your own strength and certainty of staying in your right mind, to stay in the miracle, to stay miracle-minded. That's what all this is about. It's, it's about practicing becoming so consistently miracle-minded that you draw forth those witnesses to that state of mind. And in the end, you start to have the ultimate experience, which is, well, there's nothing outside of me that the, the truth... He said, in the end, the, the hardest lesson is, is simply the truth is true. And only the truth is true. <laughs> it sounds so simple. And it really is. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for sharing that with thank us. Thank you so that much, David. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, something came up when I looked at, in the, at the film. Um, when the guy did ah, <laughs> after every sip um, I have a problem with looking at my anger I don't want to be angry yet I am 
a lot of the time. And this morning, um, with a session with Aneda, and the days before, I could see I have murderous thoughts. I really want to punch people in the face for doing normal stuff. And it doesn't even matter. I mean, I don't have to mention what it is because if I can, uh, uh, it's all the same. They're just people acting like people. <laughs> and um, this morning when Neda invited us to speak uh, the words, what was it? I accept, I will accept you. I couldn't say the words. I could see that by not accepting my brothers, how can I accept Jesus? And I was ang sort of angry with myself for not being able to accept Jesus because I do want to accept him. I want him in my life. I want to hear his voice. I want to hear his guidance. I want to follow his guidance. But do I really? Yes, I really do. But do I really, you know? I stood up and I walked around and I was... In the end, it was okay and I could say it. So I thought, ah, that's fixed. <laughs> I spoke about it with someone. Then your session came, and fuck that. Everybody was doing the same things, and Sylvia was irritated again. And I don't want to be irritated. That's, I just cannot, it seems as if I cannot accept that I am irritated. It's the same old story. Just now, I mean, I want to, oh, this morning I, uh, I could say the words, I, uh, I will accept you. Was that the, the sentence? I will accept you? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And I looked at all my brothers, and there was one brother who was tapping his feet because he was frustrated as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I... You know, intellectually, I understand that. And then I wash away again, or push away again, my anger. So I never give room to my anger. And I saw that, and I, I said to him, I accept you. I will accept you. I, I mean, to every brother. So that helped. Now I'm not I lost the, the dread. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> but sitting, sitting over there, uh, the same thing was happening, and I thought, no, I want to bless my brothers, and I want to I see the Christ in everybody. I want to see the Christ in myself. I want to I wanna hear Jesus. I want to uh, 
ja, open my heart to him. En er is een, I think it's a lesson, um, I accept the atonement for myself. I know it in Dutch. Um, I want to, ik wil mijn zonderloosheid aanvaarden door haar manifest te maken en met anderen te delen. Laat mijn godzoon de vrede van zijn vader brengen. Did you understand that? I want to... I want to bring peace to the Son of God. And while saying this sentence, I mean, I want to, um, what is it? Acknowledge my sinlessness yeah. Yeah. and uh, make it manifest and uh, bring it to my brothers, something like that. And I thought, oh, fuck. if I see it, if I see that the sinlessness in myself, I can see it in my brother. And somehow, there it shifted. <laughs> But I want it all the time. I want, I want to see my sinlessness all the time. In innocence, yeah, you know what I mean. I think it's, I think it comes down to, to basically that that is your heart's desire. That is deeply what you want. Yes. And and that it's amazing when we do focus. We have to we have to be determined. We really have to be determined. We really have to be persistent with that. In fact, I think it was yesterday I happened to be on Facebook and I found this clip on Facebook of of this this man was with this very, very angry dog. And the dog, uh, somebody had clipped the dog's ears and cut the dog's tail off. And the dog was just growling and like, like was a snapping turtle, just snapping and snapping. Is the man would, would even attempt to come close to just gently touch the dog or stroke the dog gently or even touch the dog's nose and and the dog would just just snap and everything and and uh, the man was speaking too on on it saying I love you I love you and I'm going to love you I'm determined to love you I'm going to see you truly and yeah and it showed it showed over the period of of some days and then a couple weeks, the transformation of this dog uh, was just amazing. In fact, after a couple weeks, you could see the dog was the eyes and the the peace and the serenity and the allowance to be touched and stroked was was really full there. And then the man even turned his hand where the where. He even said, now I know you you did bite me, but he just kept, I love you, love you, love you. And and to me it was just beautiful because even though that was over so many clips over days showing it and then over a couple weeks, it was beautiful to see the determination to love. To love without exception, you know, to love unconditionally. And... I think, you know, when you come to yourself, you just have to realize that, that you do desire that. You do. 
You really do, deep down. And you have to just keep reminding yourself of that, of your purpose and coming back with a sense of, of determination and persistence. Because I feel like it's really, you're witnessing this for all of us, we all really have to have our heart in it. We really have to give, we have to give our, all of our heart over to this to really open to that experience. And we're saying that every day, show me, please show me. Show me your love, you know, show me the innocence, uh, show me the sinlessness. There's even one part of, of the Course in Miracles in the text where Jesus said, you're not asked to see your brother without a body. You are asked to ask yourself, can, do I wish to see my brother sinless? You see how it brings it all the way back to our determination in our mind. It's not about trying to, to see a brother is not a body or a sister is not a body, but it is, do I wish to see him sinless? Because that, you're onto it, that's, that's, of course that must be the greatest gift, because if you wish that, you would have to experience that in order to perceive that. So thank you, because you know, you're really speaking for everyone when you're saying, okay, this is difficult. When the, the irritations come up, that's difficult. And when the anger comes up and just say, I actually have got to allow this. I can't, I can't play pretend with this. I can't try to just ignore this. I can't stuff this down. Uh, there's that very funny movie with uh, Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson, Anger Management. Mm. It might be good to watch, the, watch that a couple times. Mm. Uh, just to be able to start to laugh at it. Because it's, it's a very funny movie, but it's a very uh, important topic. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, you, you, you won't be willing to really let the anger go until you're willing to look at the full extent, Jesus says, of your own self-hatred. And, and you have to be very uh, persistent, very courageous actually to, to undertake that, that deep healing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's still something on my mind, but I'll go with, to bed with this and see tomorrow. Thank you so much, David. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And everybody. Thank you. Uh, Hello, David. Um, Hi, I'm Jose. I've forgotten my uh, name uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, when, uh, when I heard you had a retreat here in, in Holland last year, I uh, was very, uh, I wanted to come. And um, I have uh, um, uh, uh, thoughts. Uh, I thought at that moment, oh, when will uh, my, my crazy thoughts begin about David, about Kirsten, uh, about Neda? Uh, um, I, I, I have awfully thoughts, horror thoughts, and uh, it um, 
provides me from having, having peace in myself. And I'm ashamed, I feel guilt. And um, I would so be glad to, what can I do? I'm afraid of the separation. The whole sonship is going uh, to God except me because I have always crazy thoughts about the, 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 the people I, I find important. Uh, about God, I had it all from my 15th year, crazy thoughts. And at that moment, I thought, heaven is not for me. I have... Um, Yeah, verprutst het. Ik weet niet hoe ik dat moet zeggen. I have... I screwed up heaven. And over the years. It comes by and by. And I want to be free. Because when I feel free, when I have confessed that thoughts, then I... I'm light and I'm uh, happy and and so uh, I uh, can you help me? <laughs> Please. Yeah. Well, you know, just what you said there at the end is is everything. When I've confessed these thoughts, I've felt light and happy and free. You know, that's that's basically what this is all about. It's it's basically saying unburden yourself. You know, I remember one time I went down to Australia and I was I was doing a retreat down there, and uh, it was a pretty long retreat. I think it was up in the in the Blue Mountains, and uh, and at some point of the retreat, I thought, well, you know, I want to I want to do some one on ones, and so I just put up a, a some a paper on the wall, and. A huge number. I mean, I, I I went up there and it just was like went on and on and on and on. And I thought, wow, if I do this for many hours, I'll still have to have like seven minutes per person because <laughs> there were so many names yeah. on there. And it was beautiful because it was very touching. Like even though we had to bring people in in seven seven minutes, they took that seven minutes to basically just unburden themselves, you know. I mean, they would come in and start talking and look look at me and kind of give me the can I trust you yes, kind yes. of look. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. And they would look and look and then they would just go right in. And sometimes they would say, well, I've never told another person what I'm going to tell you now. Not even my mom and my dad. And sometimes they were just long-standing issues and, and thoughts for that have been going on for years and years and years. And sometimes they would say, I, you know, this is really bizarre, but I feel safe to tell you, and they would. And it was the same thing you said right at the end when you were speaking. You know, yeah. it was, they basically were able to share it. In other words, not hide it anymore. No, no. And there's nothing special about telling it to me other than it was just symbolic of I'm not going to hide this from the spirit 
from the Holy Spirit. I anymore. told the Spirit uh, in one of your uh, practicing uh, in the book. Yeah. I did with private thoughts, and I, I put it in, on a letter, and I told it before the mirror. And then I thought, uh, if I uh, won't say it to David, it won't help or something. You know, I have to put myself on the pain couch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it, though. You know, I think. I think you're on to it, you know, you're on to the key to the whole healing is that, that yes you can unburden yourself and yes it does work and more than that, yes you are worth it. You are so worth it. You know, there's a part in the Course where Jesus says, beware of the shabby ego belief that neither you or anyone else is worth consistent effort. So you're worth it. There is that consistent effort, you know. You're, you're so worth it that it will take that effort. It would almost be like if you've, you know, if you've been going with a current of ego thoughts, we'll say for a long time, that you have to go the other direction. But that, but the salmon do. You know, they, yeah. they swim upstream. You know, they're like, they probably think it's refreshing. <laughs> I mean, I haven't talked to one recently, but, yeah. but I think they think, this, I'm strong, this is refreshing. I'm swimming against the current. Because, because it's important, you know, and, and in one sense, when you feel like that's been your pattern, a pattern of crazy thoughts, that now yes, yes. you have to you have to just say to yourself i'm i'm worthy of being sane and i'm worthy of of loving thoughts and i'm worthy of happy thoughts because of who created me you know that's that's what's most important and so you're really giving yourself over to that and you have had experiences where you can feel yeah it has worked yeah so, just as, it's like if you were working with a child and a child did something that, that seemed to be very well, very helpful, and you complimented them and said, that's very good. And they said, really? And you say, yes, you, you know, you, you can do mu much more of that. And then they say, oh, good. And then they, they go for it, you know. You have to be as gentle with yourself as you would maybe with, with a child like that. That, that you're undertaking a very important clearing of your mind and that's, that's extremely important and you're worth all the support and love and nurturing uh, because it's, it's, it's very important. You're doing this for the whole universe. Yes. Not yeah. just for, for one person, you're doing it for everybody. So, so yeah, so thank you for doing that. Thank you for coming up and it's really like, like a declaration, like to be able to come up and speak it out. Yeah. Or speak it out to me, you know, is very, it's like a statement. You're saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm making my declaration here and I'm going to go forward with this. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I, I, I hope it's enough and I don't have to share a thought. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much.
I love you. I love you too. Thank you. Hello, David. Hello. I'm here again, <laughs> third time. And I'm a little bit nervous, but how to start? And I'll just follow my heart again. And the last sentence in my head was, Workbook lesson 288, let, my, let, let me forget my brother's past. And, and why it's so important, because then, a few years ago, I read that lesson book, and the forgiveness lesson starts for me. And especially the, the sentence, it's the hand of my brother who leads me to God. And um, I would like to share my current situation. Um, about um, two years ago, I had a bypass operation in my heart. And um, when I was diagnosed with that, I said to myself, okay, one year in sickness law, I don't have to work, wonderful, I can read um, Robert Adams' Stillness of the Heart, and, you know, and, I, and there was only 3% chance that it would, uh, would not make it my operation. So I, my ego said, oh, you can accept that, no problem. And it's an excellent opportunity to heal. So exercise, exercise, and I feel wonderful, and the operation wasn't a success, and I start to revalidate, and uh, well, after one year, uh, I start work again, and I said, well, I cannot manage to work, I will quit, I go with retirement. And that was last year, November, and, um, and I planned with my husband, I married already for 10 years with a Thai man, we go to Thailand and we stayed there. And um, I was invited by Thai University to give lessons human rights to the students. So, well, I have brilliant future in, in mind. And then my practitioner said after coming back from holiday last November, uh, there's something wrong in your physical system. You have to go to the hospital. And then they diagnosed me with a very rare type of blood cancer. And that was in March this year, and I said to the doctor, you're kidding. I just have a heart uh, bypass, and now I, it's still wrong-mindedness all the time. Well, I don't say that to the doctor, of course, to myself. <laughs> and... She, you know, she d described me all kinds of black scenarios, and I said, oh, I hope I can manage to come here because maybe I'm just dying. And, and so my ego said, well, prepare for your funeral, and uh, well, that's it, and, and, and maybe you'll see uh, David or not. It's not my problem. Oh, actually, it's my problem. Uh, you don't have to see him, actually. But uh, so I got... and the. The, the, the hospital, I, I got a second opinion from, the, from another hospital. They said, well, you don't have blood cancer, but you are in a pre-stage. It's still serious illness, and it's difficult to treat, but you should, we advise you to take a treatment. And I'm now in the middle of the treatment, and the doctor said, you shouldn't go because you have, your immune system is not so well, and you, maybe you get a cough and whatever. I just said to myself, I go, no, no problem. And, um, well... As, uh, it's, it's something like, well, I have to not only to let reset my, my whole blood system, but I have to reset my mind system, my, 
mindset and and well it 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 was so actually so comforting to face that all my thoughts all my what happened or what seemed to happen was just an outcome of my own what how you call it my own um movie that's the movie you showed us to us it struck me so much again because it's just looking to my own movie again and and, and well i'm now the point is i have to discuss with my husband already i'm doing this he would like to go back to thailand he would like to come that i come with him and we live next door of his parents so my mother-in-law will be every day in the house of us i said i'm not married with your mother-in-law i'm married with you and uh, and in this is small village no one speaks english so i said in 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 one week i feel isolated so much that i want to break out i cannot handle this oh would you really like to go to thailand then i said i like to go to thailand and i like the thai men but you are number one and you will stay number one forever for me but well that kind of discussions we have now and um do you have a suggestion for me how to handle this well it's interesting with the movie we watched tonight i just was watching the movie and uh It was kind of interesting to me that part pretty late in the movie where Amy was just you could just see the back of her on the right-hand side of the screen like watching the forms of coming and going in the bed and 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 so on and so forth. It, it was a, a very uh profound scene I think just of the observing just just being still and observing these forms. And then it's not too long after that where she where she uh goes and uh she's paired up with uh with the ma- the main character too again but right away you know he's saying shall we check the expiry the expiry date the expiration date and she said no let's not and uh let's not at all and he made a joke about what may just be we may just have so many minutes or whatever she says you know it was just there was so much lightness and and apparently she had just watched enough to take the decision i'm not going to put the pressure on time on this relationship and i think that's kind of a we've talked a lot about time here and we had the quantum movie last night and everything i think that's part of your answer for you that beautiful scene of just watching and then coming to just love in such an open way without thought of how long will this last and it's interesting when she had no investment in how long then he later on found out that they had five years but his fear about time and needing to know where she was like not needing to know not caring to know just really going to love 
without a time parameter on it. Uh, when he, you know, he did it, he kind of hit it and he looked and then all of a sudden recalibrating. And then his fear <laughs> just went up and up and up as the time went from five years down and down and down, what, to, what 20 hours, or, you know, it just was, he was horrified. Stop it! Stop it! How do I stop it? You cannot stop it, you know. You must wait till it stabilizes and he was... So I think those are some beautiful scenes for you because it's the love you have and the love you have to share is so precious that these other circumstances and things, you know, that might try to come in there and get in there, you can just say, no thank you. I'm not going to worry about time. I'm going to love. I'm here to love and I'm going to do what I'm here to do. Yes, maybe I may add something about my story because um, I'm getting a little bit depressed about the diagnosis of blood cancer and and uh, about six weeks ago I get an advice if you are feeling down just go out on bike go to the city and say to everybody in silence I love you and just do it one week and see what happens and I start to do it and after three days well something happened people became kind friendly uh, I got right of ways everywhere and I said I go on with this, this is okay, and, and, but don't let the ego go with you like this because you make an ego trick again, let it be authentic, authentic. And one of the side effects of, of the medicines I use now is that it provokes um, hallucinations and uh, psychotic uh, behavior and, and I know what it was in the far past, then they suppress it with medicines and now they provoke it with medicines. So I said to myself, okay, give it to Jesus and let him and ask Jesus how to handle this situation. So I prepare myself for this retreat into the kingdom to say in the morning when I get up and I heard a bird, welcome kingdom of the birds, welcome kingdom of the universe, welcome vegetables, I'm going to eat you, welcome uh, animals, and so on, and so on. And I do it actually almost every day and then I forgot it and I do it again and and now the doctor is saying well we are not sure anymore about you about our diagnosis because well maybe you need the treatment but maybe not because uh, it's going more positive now for you and and well maybe we advise you to do something but the risk that it's going to be wrong is just one percent and I feel something like um, a resurrection or something like that. And it's, sickness is meant to, as, a, as a medicine for you. So I just would like to add to this, this story. And I'm so happy to be here with you all. And I see all of you as a mirror of myself. And, and your prayers in your book are so, well, stimulating me to go on with the whole thing until I really realize uh, atonement and I'm in heaven all the time. And I'm not on candid camera, no, I'm in heaven. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's sweet. Ah, beautiful.
I actually have a question about non-duality for you. But before I ask my question, I'd really like to know, what is your actual lived experience? My actual what? Your actual lived experience. Lived. Your actual perception, perspective when you... Your lived experience. My lived, lived experience, yes. What? <laughs> I'm still standing. Da, 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 da. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, uh, it seems very, very simple. Everything. It, it feels very still. It's just a very still, quiet mind and and uh, even what we would call like, like guidance seems just so, everything seems very natural. Like there's not a like praying to something or for something. It's just like things appear and feel very happy and very natural and, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of, um, not of problems at all, so it's not like, a, like trying to solve anything. Like the human condition seems to be like, oh, and what about that, and what about that, and what about this and that. You know, I don't have that there. And so that's my experience. And then actually, it's funny you should ask about non-duality because that uh, several days ago um, I had that thought come up and it reminded me of uh, something that Jesus was talking about in the Course where he said nothing can ever fully be explained by the negative. So to say non-dual or you know Advaita, not, not to or non-dual is not uh, sufficient. Uh, Buddha, for example, uh, did not awaken. Um, he actually, uh, and much of the non-dual teachings come from there, but he, he kind of came to the void, which is very helpful. It's, it's absolutely, you can't avoid the void. <laughs> because the void is like an emptiness. And that emptiness is a portal. But beyond that portal is love. Is love. And love is not empty. Love is the fullest, most glorious, real experience. And even I said, the Beatles said, all you need is love. Um, so to me, uh, I would say non-dual kind of is synonymous more with, uh, with an opening or a portal of emptiness. It's not the, it's not the recognition, so I am always uh, sharing these deep experiences I've had from working with the Course that actually go beyond a lot of the 
stuff like consciousness, for example, is the domain of the ego and and it has to be kind of seen and gone beyond you you that's the area where the mind training occurs and the you know the devotion to coming clear and so on and so forth but that's yeah that's like a whole lecture I could do a whole talk a whole day on some of those discernments I do find that there's a lot of friends of mine that have been non-dual teachers and uh, Sometimes I don't see him for a while, or I don't see him for years, but I, like with Lisa Cairns or different ones I, I meet or come in contact with, and they're, they're just astounded. Actually, they, they're like, like, how do you live with people? How do you live with people in a state of joy, in a state of happiness? They're absolutely astounded at the application of of the principle of love of of the miracle in action or the consistent miracle mindedness and so i would say another thing that a lot of non-dual paths that don't really bring into is guidance there's, there's not much talk of guidance uh there's not an acknowledgement of the holy spirit uh there's not tapping into the way, the truth, and the life, the love, the bursting love, the everlasting love, the the point of everything is is love. And you can't really be happy unless you know love. You actually answered a lot of some of my question. Um, I met you the first time in Moorfield when yeah. I went from yeah. Namibia to go see you. I remember you and your husband. That was yeah. quite a trek from Namib Namibia. Yeah, this time, yeah, even more of a trek. <laughs> but in Namibia, there's not really a Course in Miracles group, and I've actually um, of. I actually knew nothing about non-duality, nor A Course in Miracles prior to just sort of bumping into you. And since then, I've made a complete melting pot of anybody and everybody. Jesus, Buddha, Krishnamurti, um, Rumi, Ramdas, anybody, they can just... And I understood that the everything side of the non-dual pointings is actually the love side of everything. And, yeah, I actually went to a retreat about two, three years ago to Lisa Cairns as well. And I understood them to be that the A Course in Miracles is just another pathway to actually getting to a point where you actually realize that the universe is secretly made of love. Yeah, but it's not. The universe isn't made of love. Not secretly or, or openly either. <laughs> okay, well then, what do you suggest? Should I just take the Course in Miracles and start self-studying that? Because, it, yeah, it's like when you go and I was sort of um, looking at those developments of trust. But it yeah, seems there's like a back page with negative things that it seems I must have gone. 
minus five now or minus I don't know. Well, I was saying. Where did I? I was saying earlier. I feel like, like intuitively, it's like there's a destiny even to what seems to be the pathway because Krishnamurti famously said, "Truth is a pathless land." You know, it's the experience of truth. You know, is it goes beyond the idea of pathways and down at the realm of pathways. There, are, yeah, the course is just one of thousands. Uh, of many pathways, I do feel that that it's it's important to resonate and really connect with something. And one experience I had, because I was also I studied and and traveled and and dabbled in many 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 things, so I can relate to that. But I did receive an experience many, many years ago which just kind of was an inner voice and an inner presence that said, it said, pick your path and go deep. Like this isn't about a composite history of, of mysticism or a, a composite of, of enlightened beings or a composite of whatever. You know, you're not a, a, a mystical historian. <laughs> you want to experience it, or do you want to talk about the history of it? You know, it was kind of like, it was pick your path and go deep, really go with it. And so, for me, that was a very important moment, because I thought, okay, then alright, I, I will. I'll just go with the course, and I'm just going to go with it all the way. Kind of like our our couple on, in the movie tonight, you know, they basically went through some pretty intense stuff between themselves and also with others. But in the end there was something like that drew them together, like intuitively, like it was important. Like they came together and it was really important. And also more than coming together, it's almost like she started to say, this is just a test. Like there's something we we can we can do. Let's let's leave. Let's leave this place. You know, there was something I feel like drawing them. Let's leave this place. There's more than meets the eye. I think they felt that, and then they were willing to just. They were so determined. You know, even when the guy came up with the kind of whatever taser, and she just went, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, just. Oh no. Like, no, we won't be stopped, actually. That's important. And so, the reason I think it was important for me to kind of pick your path and go deep is because it's all about coming into an experience and then from that experience, you know, the Spirit can, can use symbols in glorious ways. So, it's beautiful. I don't, I don't consider myself a Course in Miracles teacher. I don't consider myself a, a spiritual teacher. I don't consider myself, as I said the other day, an author or all those things. There's no a attachment to any of those symbols anymore. It's like an experience. It's a free, a free experience. And so I feel like that's part of what the calling is for you now is it's like as you really have a deep desire f 
before that experience, it will be shown to you. It's like your heart's desire for that experience is really saying, make it obvious. You know, just show me the way. And that's beautiful. That's, that's how we come to clarity. Because we desire it. And we don't have to figure out the pathway. We don't have to figure out the form. But it comes, and it comes kind of an obvious way. Like with these two at the end. Wow. They just, they just went for it, you know. When, when, it was, when the opportunity was there, they just were like, yeah, let's go for it. And I feel like that, that's what you, where you're at. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Trust. Yes. Yes, yes. It's glorious. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, David. Hi there. Thank you very much for showing us these very graphic uh, movies, which moves us ahead. But um, I would love to be helpful to maybe add a bit to the, to the discussion just now. It's a confession. Being an Asian, I've observed many pathways. The Indian pathway is to, be, to make it simple, the Chinese one, Japanese one, and even where I come from, the Indonesian one. But there is a difference to the pathway of our guide, whose name is Yeshua or Jesus, is very special if you compare them with all those big, big men who preceded him, Buddha, and so on. He did accomplish something in his dying. Uh, upon, upon the last stages, you know, in his, in his, in his dying phase, on this, uh, you know, uh, execution machine, the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Okay, many people say forgive. Even we say forgive. But he went on further, he said, for they do not know what they do. That means he knows it, not we. He was already in the, what he called in the course, uh, the, the battle, above the battlefield. And I think that is comforting, you know, that when we follow him, we follow him transcending this battlefield we are. And that comforts me as a nation, you know, oh yeah, that's, that's the real message. And it is even documented in the Bible in John 19.30, which is not very often used in the church. It is accomplished, he said. But what is accomplished? Even the Aquarian Gospel, there was another voice from heaven. Lo, it is finished. But what is finished? And I understand that he finished total forgiveness. Not his blood, not his body. And I think that that's the thing which, which we can be very uh, happy and thankful for. I hope, you know, I can find support for this idea. Yeah, I, I sense what you're talking about is that you recognize this. And to recognize something, you, it has to go, come right from the core. This a, re a recognition. And that was my feeling, that was, that was part of it. Like when I first encountered the Course, it was a huge recognition. It was like everything was made clear at that point for me to follow uh, that. Because of the completion aspect 
of it uh, because of the way shower. If 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 you're going to have a way shower, it's nice to yes. have a way shower who has transcended illusions and is is one with the truth. So to me, that was that was a recognition, and I, I yeah, everything you've said, I I totally recognize completely. But I make a an appeal to you as a, as an as a. Uh, 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 some, somebody who knows much more in, in studying, it's about the team today, which is about secrecy. And I'm very much troubled about, the, about a uh, passage in the, in, in, the, in the course, about the secret vow we did. Course, what is that? I feel very guilty about it, I don't understand it. What is this secret vow we made, or our ego made, you know, which maybe made that I mess up everything you know, in my life when, when I don't you know, follow this guide. The secret for Is it the same as what you said with secret thoughts? Yeah, the, the ego is, is a denial of God. It's a denial of love. And, and the secret aspect of it is it's, it's pushed out of awareness. It's such, it's such a horrific um, belief. So you might say if you if you could take uh, an X-ray of your mind, <laughs> and you could say, "Wow, what's down there? The light is down there. Okay, the, the light is there, and on top of the light is the secret vow, mm -hmm. which Jesus says you swore in blood never to go back to. That's it's it's such a horrific belief. It's covering the light, and then." That's that secret vow. It's like that cornerstone that, that you swore never to lift up. The ego says, if you lift that cornerstone, God will strike you dead. Yeah. You'll pay. You'll pay for, for everything if you lift it. The Holy Spirit says, if you lift it, all is love. And so, but the intensity even to go down in your mind toward, toward that, that aspect of, of that block, that lid, that cover, you know, that you swore never to open, it gets very intense. Because again, there's, there's two voices. One that's saying, go ahead, I'm with you, we can do this. And the other is saying, oh, you are going to die at the hands of God. And so it's just secret because of its horrific nature. It's pushed, pushed away. Yeah, that's the horrific part is... is Remembering not to laugh, you know, it's the, it's taking serious something that's ridiculous. It's taking it seriously. And even though this is all going on in the mind, the seeming consequence, you know, is this projection, this cosmic projection. So, yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. Because you brought up that, that whole secretly everything, you know, is really love. 
And it's the secret of the ego that, that blocks that from awareness. So, yeah, we're here to open it up and, and uh, go past it. Yeah. I want to hide it just out of fear or whatever. So private is maybe, maybe it's a trick for me, maybe it's my ego trick to escape that. <laughs> but I think a private thought is many thoughts which I have not yet revealed. But secret is I want to keep it hidden. And what Christ asks us not to hide anything from him. He didn't say that you shouldn't say everything, but you should not hide things. Just like a driver. If I have a private driver, you may drive in that car, you know. I can share a private thought which I have not yet revealed and not shared yet. Is, is, is this a way of discerning a good thing or is it my way to get out with my ego? I, th I think it's trying to make two out of what's one. The, the private thoughts and the secret thoughts. The reason they're private is because they're believed to be real. And the reason that they're hidden is because there's a sense of wrongness or guilt. So we could call them Secret thoughts, we could call them private thoughts, we could call them grievances, that's another, you know, the, there's different names for the same thing. Thank you, David. Thank you. Okay, well, it's, we're rolling pretty late into the night here. <laughs> we still have uh, a full day tomorrow, and we have our morning session, and that is uh, meditation, then the morning session, and then we will have... I, an afternoon session, and then we'll have a movie called Take Me Home tomorrow night. Frances is preparing, premiering her movie, and then the following morning we'll have a breakfast and we'll have a, a, a for a while there, a panel discussion because I think there will be a lot of wonderful things popping up into awareness after, after the movie. So I think we should wrap it up for tonight because, yeah, it's been a beautiful, beautiful day. But thank you. Thank you all for, for coming. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>